If you have access to a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27. Obviously, this morning we, or I am coming to you, I was going to say we were meeting together, but I am coming to you by way of video because of the COVID-19 coronavirus, very unusual circumstance in our nation, in our time. And as we think about what we are going through, I want to do two things. First of all, let me say this. You may ask me, Pastor Tim, when do you think we will be together again? And the answer to that question is, I don't know. Um, no one knows. As you are well aware, the circumstances are changing on a daily basis. We don't know when we will be back together again. We will be back together again, but we just don't know when. So in the meantime, in the meantime, I want to do two things. First of all, I want to continue to remind us that our great hope is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our great hope is in the gospel. It always has been, it is, and it always will be. And I want us to remember that, that in the death and resurrection of Christ, we not only have salvation, but we have abundant life. And the Bible teaches us that we have abundant life all of the time, no matter what our circumstances are. We have abundant life in blessing and in hardship. We have abundant life whether we are going through times of victory or times of suffering. But I also want us to think about this. Because of the death and resurrection of Christ, we have peace in the midst of the storm. We have strength in the midst of our weakness. We have hope in the midst of our uncertainty. Think about that. Because of Christ, because of the gospel, we have strength when we are weak. We have peace when things are in turmoil. We have hope when things are uncertain. So that's the first thing I want us to do is to keep focused on who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, all we have because of the death and resurrection of Christ. Second, what I would like to do is to bring us back to some kind of normalcy. And I am going to begin this morning and in the ensuing weeks, whether I come to you by video or we are gathered together, I want to help us to approach Easter. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the cross as we approach Easter. Easter Sunday this year is April 12th, and I want us to focus on the crucifixion leading up to the resurrection. And what I want to do is I want to do like a mini-series out of Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be looking in the next few weeks at verses 45 through 56. Now this morning we're just going to look at one verse, verse 45. And what I want to do is I want to read Matthew 27, verses 45 through 50, just the first part of this whole section, and then come back and look at this one verse. So, 
In Matthew 27, verses 45 through 50, we read, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Our first point this morning is the darkness. The darkness of the cross is absolutely crucial in understanding the cross of Christ. Again, in verse 45, this is what Matthew writes. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. According to Mark chapter 15, Jesus was crucified at approximately nine in the morning, and he hung on the cross for three hours, and then something happened. From noon until three o'clock, that would be the sixth hour until the ninth hour, from noon until three o'clock, it says darkness came over all the land. Now the question is, what caused the darkness? And the answer is we really don't know except that it was the hand of God. Some have speculated that there were natural causes, that maybe it was a solar eclipse, or perhaps God caused a great thunderstorm to come. But that's just merely speculation. I think the best answer by far is that God caused it to happen. We're going to look at that just a little later. But the next question that comes up is how extensive was this three hours of darkness? It says in the English Standard Version that darkness was over all the land. In other translations, English translations, it has that darkness was over all the earth. And so there has been this kind of good-hearted debate. Was the darkness just over the land of Israel where the crucifixion was, or was the darkness over all the earth? And we really don't know for sure. I, I read a number of commentaries that strongly believe it was just over Israel, just over the crucifixion. I personally tend to believe that it may have been over all the earth because we are talking about one of the most important events in the history of the universe. Along with the birth of Christ, we have the death of Christ. We have the return of Christ. At the heart of it all is this time. And so I just personally think that the darkness may have been over the entire earth. But what I want us to focus on this morning is what was the meaning of the darkness. Back in 2013, I preached through the Gospel of Mark. And when I came to chapter 15 of Mark, I did a sermon on the three hours of darkness. And I shared how the three hours of darkness are at the very heart and soul of Christ accomplishing our salvation. This morning, I'm taking a slightly different vantage point. 
This is what I want us to think about together this morning. The darkness represented the wrath and judgment of God upon sin. So that's really the theme this morning. Those three hours of darkness represented the wrath and punishment of God upon sin. God was judging us. He was judging the sins of the world. And more specifically, he was judging his son because Jesus had taken upon himself the sins of the whole world, our sins. In theology, we call this penal substitutionary atonement. It is at the very heart and soul of the entire Christian faith. I would even submit to you this morning that we have no Christian faith without penal substitutionary atonement. God was judging his son. Jesus died for us. Jesus died in our place. You say, Pastor Tim, was God actually judging Jesus? In essence, he was because our sin was upon him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Think about that. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. In Galatians 3.13, it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So the darkness means judgment, the judgment of God. The full weight, the entire weight of the judgment and punishment of God upon sin was poured out on Jesus. The very essence of the cross. And somehow, some way, I don't understand it fully, nor do you. But somehow, some way, Jesus experienced our eternal hell in our place. He experienced the torture of hell in our place. So, darkness represents judgment. And we should not be surprised because there are a number of places in the Bible where darkness represents judgment. When we think of the three hours of darkness on the cross, often Bible teachers will think back to a key passage in the Old Testament book of the prophecy of Amos. In Amos chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, and, and to back up just a little bit, Amos is declaring God's judgment upon Israel. Israel had forgotten God, and he is trying to call them back to the Lord, and he says, that one day God is going to punish you for your sins. And in Amos chapter 8 and verse 9 it says, And on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Interesting. I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. We think of when God brought the ten plagues of judgment upon Egypt through his servant Moses. And of the ten plagues, the ninth one is darkness, absolute darkness. In an Exodus ch chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, it says this, 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Three days. Notice it says there was pitch darkness. A darkness to be felt. Have you ever been somewhere where it has been so dark that you couldn't even see your own hand if you placed it in front of you? And he brings this judgment upon Egypt. And then we think of the tenth plague. The tenth one is the killing of the firstborn of the Egyptians in every household. And when did God bring that judgment upon the Egyptians? The Bible says it happened at midnight. It happened at midnight when it was dark. In the New Testament, we see that part of God's judgment upon the demons, upon the demonic world, is he puts them in darkness. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Notice that. He committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. In Jude verse 6, it says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And I want to submit to you this morning that judgment is not a concept, it is real. Everywhere that darkness was over the land at that time, those people saw it and they felt it. One writer says this, the very fact that this darkness is mentioned shows that it must have been intense and unforgettable. Now I want to come back to that thought that I had earlier. How did this darkness happen? I believe strongly this was an act of the hand of God. And folks, we see the supernatural invading the natural. This was the supernatural hand of God. He brings darkness upon the land, possibly over the entire earth. Now, there are other applications that can be drawn from these three hours of darkness. As I was reading about this, I found it interesting. I'm just going to mention these. Some of you might find this interesting. But just some other applications. This darkness, this three hours of darkness could have been the judgment of God upon this world's system, which is darkness. When mankind tries to live without God, it lives in darkness. To live without God is to live in darkness. We could also say that the darkness was the judgment upon the fall of man. Back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sinned against God, they plunged all of mankind into sin. Men fell. Men and women fell. All of mankind came into what we call the fall of man. 
And this is the judgment. Those three hours of darkness were the judgment upon man's fall all those years before. We could also say that the darkness is representative of man's searching in the dark. When we look for meaning, when we look for hope, when we look for significance apart from God, we find ourselves searching in the dark. It's as if we are in a building at night and all the lights are off and we are searching, searching for our way out, but it is always and only darkness. Some have even suggested that this darkness may represent our own inward struggle with sin. That even in our redeemed state, even as saved Christians, that there is still a dark side to us. There is still a darkness within us. We think of Romans chapter 7 and the great description of our inward struggle with sin. The very things we know we should do, we don't do. And the very things we know we shouldn't do, those are the things that we do. So those three hours of darkness are the judgment of God upon sin. Well, our second point this morning is the darkness in Jesus' mission. The darkness teaches us an important truth about Jesus' mission on earth. And here's the good news. Here is the glorious news. Jesus came. Jesus came into this world to bring us out of darkness and into the light. What a glorious truth. Jesus came into this world to bring us out of the darkness and into his glorious light. He came to rescue us from the kingdom of Satan, from the kingdom of darkness, to bring us into the kingdom and glorious light of the kingdom of his Son. Jesus came to free the slaves of sin and darkness and to make them sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus came into the world to bring us into the light of truth. We now have the precious Word of God, the Bible, the light of God's truth the unveiling, the revelation of who God is and how we can come to know him and relate to him. We have the light of Scripture. Jesus came into the world to bring us into the light of eternal life. Because of Christ, because of his death and resurrection, we now have hope beyond the darkness of the grave. And make no mistake about it, the grave is dark. Death is dark. But Christ came to give us hope beyond the grave, to bring us into the light of eternal life. And when Christ came into the world, he came to bring us into the light of fellowship with God, that men and women, boys and girls, through the death and resurrection of Christ, can have fellowship with God. We can know God. We can walk with God with the living God. So, we were created by God to love the light and to live in the light. That's who we are. Folks, we are the people of the light. We are the children of 
the light. And I want you to think about this. What a thought. What we experience spiritually right now. Someday. Someday we are going to experience both spiritually and physically. Literally physically. We are going to have a time where there will be no more darkness. And it's going to be in the new heaven. And the new earth. Both in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, it says this. It says that in the new Jerusalem, there will be no more need for the sun or the moon. Why? It says, because the glory of God will be its light. And the lamp of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the lamp of the Lamb of God will be its light. Think about it. Think about it with me. It's at the heart of this message. Because of the three hours of darkness in which Jesus was judged for our sin, there is going to be a day when there will be no darkness at all. No physical darkness whatsoever. Because of the three hours of darkness, someday there will be no darkness at all. So, the three hours of darkness were the judgment of God upon our sin. Our sin that was laid upon our Savior. And through His death and resurrection, He overcame sin and death and darkness. Well, I want to share two closing thoughts. I want to take this whole theme this morning and just share with you two closing thoughts thoughts. First, thank God that the darkness of his judgment fell upon his son and not upon us. Oh, we need to be thankful every day that Christ died for us, that Christ died in our place. The darkness of God's judgment came upon Jesus and not upon us. Let us be thankful, oh so thankful for our great salvation in Christ. Second, let us seek the light of God's truth and God's ways. Let us seek the light of God's truth and God's ways. Let us live out who we are. Let us live like the children of the light. Let us look to Christ and the light that is found in Him. And let us look to the word of God, to the light, the great light of God's precious word. And I want us to think about this in what we are going through with this COVID-19 coronavirus. I just want to challenge us as a people. So much going on in our nation right now. So much going on in our world right now. I'm going to challenge us, all of us, and I say this in love. Don't be critics. This is not a time for criticism. This is not a time for complaining. This is not a time for griping. It is a time for us to be light in the darkness of this hour. Let us show people the love of the light of Christ. Let us show people the love of Christ. 
Let us show people the kindness of Christ. Let us show the grace of Christ. Let us show the compassion of Christ. In the midst of all of this, people are afraid. People, in some cases, are in a panic. What an opportunity for us to show that even though we are concerned and we know this is real, we are the children of light. Let us show love. Let us show kindness. Let us show grace. And let us show compassion. Let's be different. Let's be different for Christ. Well, what we're going to do now is I'm going to close us in prayer and then we're going to listen together, watch together um, a new song that's been put out by Getty Music that's gaining a lot of popularity called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. And the three pastors together thought this would be a great way to end this service. So let me pray and then we will listen to that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the death and resurrection of Christ and the great hope we have because of that. Thank you that in those three hours of darkness on the cross that Jesus paid for our sins, thoroughly paid for every one of our sins. Thank you, thank you. Thank you that he was victoriously raised from the dead. Oh, Father, help us. Help us as a church family to be the light of Christ in this hour when our nation, our world, our community, our friends and family members need hope. They need light. Oh, Lord, help us to think like, live like, and act like the children of light. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.